This is episode 100 of the Rising Man podcast with Phil Gomez and Sean Berry. That's right, keeping it 100. Good rising family, blessings out to all y'all risers out there. 100 episodes. Yes, 100 conversations about masculinity and manhood in the books. I just want to take a moment to thank every one of you who's listened to our podcast, listened to the message, contributed your feedback, shared what we've been up to here at Rising Man at any point these past two years. I am truly, truly grateful. None of this would be possible without your support, seriously. And to my Rising Man power team and the men and women who have championed our mission, Y'all already know how much I love y'all and how grateful I am because none of this could happen without all of us working together. So after two years of clarifying the Rising Man message and establishing our roots and values, it's more clear to me than it has ever been. What men need most is brotherhood and a space where we can realize we are not alone in our challenges, fears, and obstacles. Every man deserves to have a brotherhood of men that will always have his back, rain or shine, no matter the weather. That's why we've got our Rising Man Fire Circle. For just $67 a month, you get access to our private community, your own team of men, opportunities to lead, discover, and grow alongside your brothers from all over the world. They say you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time around. So if you believe this to be true, join up with the power team of other men who are committed to living their purpose and doing what they came here for. Go to patreon.com slash rising man right now and sign up for the Fire Circle today. Claim your seat today. Make it happen. Do it. All right. My guests for today, Sean Barry and Phil Gomez, are two of my closest brothers in the world, both of whom have been guests on the show before. They're both initiation guides and rites of passage leaders with over 25 years of combined experience. They've helped me design and deliver Compass, our four-day fasting initiation for men, and they're stepping forward to help carry the torch of the rising man as we evolve into our next phase. So reintroducing these two powerful and amazing brothers to the whole Rising Man community with this episode. No better way to kick off 100 episodes than with these two fellas. In this episode, we discuss the different definitions of man, how a man is a cultural concept and will change depending on where you go and who you talk to. We talked about what it's like to be new to men's work and how all three of us came to find our way into men's circles. We discussed the potency of long-term relationships forged through men's circles. I've known these guys for many, many years and the trust and the camaraderie that is built up with consistency and communication and building rapport over time is unparalleled. So you got to put in that work, put in that time, put in that investment. We talked about why it's critical to share our internal dialogue with others in a safe container. We also talked about rites of passage and how a rite of passage is an induced trauma, intentionally dismantling old paradigms to invite new, higher beliefs. We asked the question, when no one is looking, who do you become? Think about that one for a second. When no one's watching, who do you become? Even after initiation, we must choose manhood on a moment-to-moment basis. And lastly, we discussed Vision Quest, engaging in the initiatory process, and why we believe that initiating an entire generation of men will change the world. So, without further ado, episode 100 with my brothers, Sean Berry and Phil Gomez. All right, rising men out there, this is a very special commemorative milestone episode. This is episode 100 
of The Rising Man. And in true fashion, I brought along two of my favorite men in the world to help uh, help uh, set off this 100th episode and, and dive a little bit deeper into this inquiry of what is The Rising Man right now and, and what is being a man in this world all about. So if you guys have been listening for a while, you'll recognize these two guys. I've got Sean Barry and uh, Phil Gomez here. Say what up, fellas. Yo, yo. Good morning, men. Good morning, Jetty. Sean, good to be here with you guys. Hey, good morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you guys haven't been listening and haven't heard an episode with these two guys, you got to go back into the library a little bit and, and check it out. These are two men that I've known for many years who are deeply in the rites of passage work, deeply in the initiatory work for men. And also just men that I deeply respect, men who've been walking this planet in an integral way and really giving their medicine. So it's an honor to have you guys on here today, especially to mark off this 100th episode, because in a year and a half, The Rising Man, from the initial idea that I had sitting in a coffee shop one day, trying to figure out what I was going to call my podcast, all the way to now, where you guys are stepping forward to help champion this Rising Man movement with me, there's been a lot. There's been a lot. It all started for me with the question of what does it mean to be a man? What is the difference between being a boy in this world and being a man in this world? So you guys have both answered that question when I've had you on here before, but I thought I'd ask it just a little bit differently. And simply, what does it mean to be a man in this modern world? Why don't we defer to the most handsome man in the room? I'll let you guys figure out who that is. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to go with age because that'd be an easy one, but... (laughs) In this, in this case, maybe it's both. I was definitely going to say it's the silver fox, Sean Barry. So. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. I've been thinking a lot about, I just recently posted, uh, I, I really like that question you asked all your guests, Jetty, what's the difference between a boy and a man? And just on the recent post I did the other day, I kind of led with that. I'm very fond of also just saying there's all kinds of ways to, to divide people into two camps. You know, what's the difference between this and this? But I've been thinking a lot recently, just more and more about the difference between man, lowercase m, and man, uppercase m. And that, in my kind of perception, you know, an up, capital M, man, is a cultural designation. It's a cultural designation. And that looks different wherever you go. So what does it mean to be a man, I think, is a, is a great question to really perceive. Well, that really is going to come from the community you're immersed in, the philosophy you're buying into, and those two things aren't necessarily in the same place. So I think it's getting to be a really more, just a much more complex question. You know, how do you find a community that's going to be around you for a lifetime that is helping you uphold and, and meet agreements and understandings and around what does it mean to be capital M man as opposed to man, lowercase m, which usually just means an adult male. You know, somebody who's at a certain age out there on their own. Mm-hmm. And I know, Sean, you also, you make this distinction between manhood, masculinity, and maleness. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've been using that a lot lately because I've realized that even when I started The Rising Man, right, I I had my own definition of what a man was. And it, it's it's interesting to be in this inquiry of just the different ways we can define ourselves, like you said, and put ourselves into categories. So would you speak a little bit to that as well? Because I think that's part of what you were alluding to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's sort of like the way Alaska, they say Alaskans have like 25 words for snow. And in the same way, I write a lot about nature. Or I talk a lot about nature and there's there's very, I think mean, just like one or two words that we have to describe nature. And in that same way, 
as far as what it means to be going through the experience as a male-bodied person who's claiming to be an upper capital M man who tends to have a lot of masculine orientation to perceiving the world. Those are all really three different attributes. And I just think we interchange them a lot. I think the most important one is just the words masculinity and femininity and how those those two words really have nothing to do with physicality. Mm. And that manhood is a, is a cultural designation and being male is a biological appearance expression. Like I came into a world with a male body. That's really the only kind of concrete physiological fact. The other two are much more philosophical and cultural and social from, you know, what I'm seeing. Mm. Mm. I like that. I like that. That actually, that brings me back to some of the conversation we had in the episode you were on, Mm -hmm. uh, which we don't have to go into now, but that distinction between what is called upon of males in our society now compared to males back when we were, you know, rubbing stones together and, and, and hunting with spears. Right. It's very different. Yeah. Beautiful, man. So let, let's kick it over to the bearded wonder over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Sean's answer, and I, I love Sean's gift with words. And you'd also want to say congratulations on the 100th episode, Jetty, you know, before I dive into yeah. it too much. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Ho to you, bro. Great job. I'm, I'm glad that you've championed this and really have stuck with it. I remember when you were writing on the whiteboard so that you could reserve our laundry room when we were all living together in that crazy <laughs> house, you know, so that you could start recording your first episode. So Booking studio time. Yeah, exactly. Booking studio time. So good stuff, man. So yeah, to answer your question, it's something I've been thinking about more and more and I listen to your podcast all the time and, you know, we have conversations all the time and it's funny because the more I kind of try to find what it is to be a man, it, it like shifts into like what it is to be human because I, as I think about it and like what, what I think of the type of man I would love for my son to be, or at least that I want to emulate so my son could see it's like, well, I would want that for my daughter as well. So, you know, I, I wrote a post recently on the Rising Man IG page and a big thing that I see is just knowledge of self and knowing yourself and the inner workings and your way of being, your strengths, your weaknesses, all the ins and outs and knowing that for the sake of being able to be of service and give whatever gift it is that you have to the world. That's like, for me, that's the main goal because the more men, women, you know, people in general we have doing that, the better this world's going to be. So yeah, good quote is, I slept and dreamt that life was joy. I awoke and saw that life was service. I acted and behold, service was joy. So again, just like using your gift to be of service and that's going to bring the most joy to your life, which joy makes everybody feel good. (laughs) I I really like that you bring that in too, bro, because in my own reflections and evolution of this question, what does it mean to be a man? It's, it started with me asking that question to myself. And I still ask myself that question all the time because I realized that it's, it's like uh, going all the way back to high school. If when they, when they give you an, an essay question and they would, they would write a question on the board and you'd have, I don't know, maybe like 15, 20 minutes just to free write and, and practice your writing skills. And, you know, they could ask a very open-ended question, like, what does it mean to be a man? And you, if there were 30 people in the room, you might get 30 different answers. And I remember starting The Rising Man, I thought, okay, well, maybe there's some commonality we can come to. (laughs) Maybe there's an an agreement about what it means to be a man, and then we can etch it in granite, and then that could just be (laughs) the way it is for the rest of time. That's the problem, that, that we don't have a common definition of what it means to be a man. But for me, when I when I hear that question, what does it mean to be a man? I I hear I see the words, but I hear a different question. And the question I hear is, what does 
living my life on purpose and of service look like? So going back into what what both of you guys said, really, it's for every single one of us who identifies as a man to decide what that is. What is it? What does it mean for me to live my life fully, to live my life to the best of my ability, to make best use of all of the gifts and skills that I have and all of the skills that I will have that I'll invest time and effort and energy into developing. What does all of that look like when I put it together and create a masterpiece that's completely unique, completely unique for, for me, that separates me from other men? And, and so it's not actually something that unites us other than every one of us has our own unique mission. You know, that's that's about the, the extent of it. Because even... Amidst the three of us, who I would say we're all three of our paths are very parallel, and and at this point they're actually intertwining and, and braiding each other. We're still very distinct in our unique gifts and our skill sets, in how we will ultimately look back and say, "This is how I impacted the world." And so I think that 100 episodes into the Rising Man, I'm, I'm looking at that question I'm like, "Huh, it's kind of funny that we started off in that place, and yet sometimes you ask a question looking for an answer, and it just brings about more questions." <laughs> Indeed. The good questions do. The good ones do. Yeah. yeah, the good ones do. Yeah. So let's go a little bit deeper into this. Let's make it a little more personal because like I said, you guys have been on here before, but for me, the initiation into this conversation of what it means to be a man was was brought about by hardship. For me, it was brought about by feeling lost and not knowing which direction to go. And fortunately, there was a, a signal fire from my men's team, a metaphorical signal fire. Actually, no, actually a real signal fire that called me into the space and, and invited me deeper into this question of what does it mean to be a man alongside other men? So let's go back to you first, Phil, and, and just tell us what is the biggest impact that um, having a men's circle or being in a circle with men has had on you? And if you want to talk about your first experience with that a little bit so that we can understand where you're coming from. And then just tell us how it's impacted your life and why you think it's so important. Absolutely. My, so my first men's circle I was ever in was, you know, a bunch of knuckleheads in college all getting together and <laughs> talking about life and talking about what we were going through, which was really beautiful and really meaningful for me in the sense of just getting out of my own head and actually sharing with people stuff that I was going through, you know, which was very foreign to me at that time. And then you know, when I first moved out to California, that's when I joined what I would call my first like solid men's team in the sense that there were men of all ages present and a lot of guys way older than me who had been doing this work for a long time. So that there was a certain element and skills, just like a different league of men's work. And I think joining that team was the first time in my life that I was in a circle with men who who cared about me and didn't show it in a way of like patting my back and telling me everything's going to be okay you know they cared about me by calling out calling out my bullshit and calling out what they saw in in me you know and and did it in a in a way that I could see it for myself mm-hmm. so what what that did it was was it just opened up the door for me to kind of see all these areas in my life that I could be better, you know, my Achilles heels, my, the, the things that I could address in order to move forward into like the next steps of life. And that, that's exactly what it enabled me to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's not always pretty on a, on a men's team, right? The way that, the way that men can show each other love, it's, it's not the, not always the, the warm, cuddly rainbows and butterflies type of type of care, is it? Not at all. And it's funny because if you were to ask me before I was on a men's team, it, it would sound that 
would sound very uncomfortable and not very caring. And it was crazy how cared for I felt. No matter how uncomfortable a question or um, someone pointing out something would be, like I never doubted that man's love for me or or the willingness that man had to have my back. Yeah. How long did it did it take for you to for it to sink in? Where you where you're actually like, oh, okay, I get this. This is actually a good thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> it took a little bit, man. I would say it took a couple months. Because at first it was, you know, I just didn't know what was going on. These guys were throwing questions out left and right and digging in and seeing things. And, you know, in a man that I just like, well, how the fuck did they see that? How they, how they know to go there? Mm-hmm. So it took me an element of one, stop trying to figure it out. And two, just start to jump in and trust a little bit more and getting to know a lot of those guys on a more personal level, just like making phone calls and realizing that these people that I really looked up to because of their knowledge and just skill and experience were also just real regular guys. And especially when they took that brave step, that courageous step to be vulnerable. And I just saw, wow, this is, this is just another person, another man who really is feeling a lot of the similar things that I feel, even though he might be, you know, 30 years older than me and way farther ahead in life. <laughs> yeah, man, you're, you're a quick learner. If it was only a couple of months, I know for me, I'm notoriously remembered on my men's team for not really opening my mouth or saying anything for pretty much the first year. <laughs> I was, I was a 25 year old guy stepping into that space. Guys, like you said, who are, you know, twice my age and, you know, quadruple my experience. And for the first six months, I was just trying to figure out what the heck was going on because I'd never seen anything like that before. And I talk about that quite a bit here on the podcast, so I won't go into too much detail, but I, I equate it to my, the first experience I had of taking a Capoeira class. <laughs> that was actually just a few months before my first men's team meeting where I was in San Francisco. I'd heard about Capoeira and I went in there all charged up thinking that I was in really good shape. You know, I'm like, yeah, I've been an athlete my whole life. I'll be able to do this and got my butt absolutely kicked. And they, they paired me up with this uh, with this tiny little Asian woman. <laughs> really, really sweet, really nice, nice, you know, and we shook hands and we started class and she whooped my butt. But and I was I was like, what the heck? I was trying to figure out what was going on in there, trying to you know figure out which way was up, which way was down. It just reminded me that it just like stepping into a dojo or into a space of practice, like like in martial arts or in any other any other physical feat or mental feat. You know, where if you're stepping into something brand new, you're gonna get tossed around a little bit. You're gonna get spun around and not know which way is up. So, so yeah, man, I could definitely relate to that experience. And, and Sean, I know you have a little bit of a different background coming into the men's space. So why don't you tell us what that's like for you and how that's impacted your life? Yeah, for me, I didn't even really come into the idea of men's work until I was in my early 30s. Prior to that, I was pretty much just living into the older paradigm of being the stoic individual male who was looking, you know, for the traditional setup of finding a wife and being the provider trying to create the picture that I was, you know, had been raised in and, you know, was seeing all around me and wasn't going so well. So for me, it really was the first time I sat in a circle of men where there was um, vulnerability and some direct questioning and opening up was when I got into my first Mission Quest journey. That's really where I had my, just my heart and my eyes and my fears, you know, all kind of coming together in this context of like, well, wait a minute, this isn't, this doesn't look like anything I've been told 
or experienced about what it means to be an adult man in this the society, culture, whatever, this time and age. When I look back on that first circle, it was six months. I was meeting with you guys once a month for six months before we went out to do our ceremony. And <laughs> that was a while ago now. So my, my, you know, my old brain's a little foggy, but I just, I don't remember. I can't remember talking at all. <laughs> I just remember <laughs> looking around these guys going like, wow, these guys are really scared and they're older than me. I think I was the youngest in that group and they really don't seem to have their shit together. And I judged that, you know, I judged that. I was like, well, I'm definitely going to have my shit together by the time I'm their age. <laughs> <laughs> and lo and behold, not so true. And, uh, but I guess the beauty of that is I don't, I don't really judge that as much anymore because I feel like the way I see it now is one sort of picture I like to use is, you know, if you go on vacation to a beautiful place, say out to the Italian hillsides or something, and you rent a beautiful chateau and get up there, you drop your bags and you, you know, those old kind of villas have like the heavy wood shutters that kind of, you know, close over the big windows. And my image is that, you know, you get into the room, you're excited to be there. You see the, the window and the shutters are maybe just open like a third of the way and you can see there's a beautiful view. So you go over to the window and you throw the shutters open and it's like, wow. And that's sort of how I hold that now. And it's like, once you have that full view, it's like, why would you ever minimize the view again with those shutters, you know? And seeing that now in my life, it's, it's like, yeah, there's all these questions. It's the continual process of evaluating, you know, who am I and what am I doing and holding that up to what I'm seeing out in the world and who I'm spending my time and interacting with. But the, the journey of getting to this expansive exploration of, of that there, there are no, I, I get to choose what I adhere to as far as standards and values. And I get to choose the circle of people that I um, want to support me and help me reflect whether those are sound and choosing those. And that feels really good, you know, to be at this state in life in my early 50s and just still have men, you know, even older than me that I've been sitting in circle with for over 20 years that are, you know, still reviewing their life on a regular basis has been really, really powerful. For me to be seen, having come out of my early 30s and having men who know me now for over 20 years and know who I am, that's been uh, it's really potent and powerful and stabilizing, you know, because for me, at least being on this journey of just leaving a leading and examined life, it's really been powerful and abates a lot of the fear when I come into those questions of like, oh, oh no. What does this mean? And then having men that I've been sitting with who can sit down and, and reflect with me. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not only reflect with you, but also relate mm -hmm. with you. It's mm -hmm. something that we've really been driving home a lot in the in the past couple of months here on the podcast. It's just how, how critical it is for us to be able to share our, our greatest shames or doubts or fears about ourselves, that that internal dialogue that's turned up to a high volume, but nobody outside of, it's like we got the, the headphones on. Nobody else can hear what we're hearing inside of our head, but it's, it's loud. It's loud. Those voices are so loud sometimes. And to be able to just pull the headphones out and, and let the other men know what's going on inside your head and say, oh yeah, I know that song. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know those lyrics. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, let, me, let me pull my headphones out for a second. You can hear what's going on in there too. The relatability factor is so, so huge. In fact, we just had a, I just did a Monday morning episode a few weeks back talking exactly about that. You know, it's like that, that, that power of relatability is so essential. I really liked your, your metaphor for the work as well. Mm -hmm. You know, you're talking about that beautiful countryside chateau. It's a little bit different than mine. My, my metaphor for, for, for this type of work is like cold shower. It's like, you're like, ah, oh, fuck, damn, I don't want to go. I don't want to go in that cold shower. Nah, it's going to suck. And even those first 30 seconds of the shower, it's like, oh, this sucks. This sucks so much. And then it's like, well, wait a second. 
it actually feels exhilarating. I feel more alive than I felt 30 seconds ago. And oh, wow. And, and then, of course, all the, all the benefits, you know, your body starts turning on and starts waking up and feeling alive. But that first dose of exposure can be so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you guys, but I, I think that's what, what keeps a lot of men out of this, out of this space, out of this inquiry. In fact, and it, and it never actually gets that much easier. You, you take enough cold showers, you realize, okay, well, yeah, those first 30 seconds are going to be rough, but eventually I'll break through and it'll, it'll be good for me. But that initial sting the, the, to the ego of, oh man, I'm stepping into a space where I'm actually going to be seen. I'm actually going to be held accountable. I'm actually going to be expected to do what I say I'm going to do instead of the rest of the world. That's just like a warm sauna you know, steamy hot shower bath. It's a little bit different. It's a little bit different. The expectations inside of a men's circle that's held with integrity in that way and, and high standards and high values. So I don't, I don't know if you guys have something to contribute or add on to that. Yeah, I'll add something there. As you guys know, and I've talked about it before on this podcast, it's like I'm, I'm a very ceremonial man and very active in various indigenous ceremonies. And, you know, one time I was talking to one of my elders, he was telling me, he's like, listen, man, none of our ceremonies are easy. Sweat lodge, Sundance, sitting up all night, like all of them require some sort of physical discomfort, you know, what some people would call suffering. I think that's a little, you know, it's a little much, but anyways, it, it causes some sort of discomfort. And he was saying, well, it's like that because because life's not easy. You know, life isn't always comfortable in life. You know, it's like these things are preparing us for all the hardships and things that we have to work through and come out on top in life. And the same for me, this that's how I view men's work as well. The work, mm-hmm. it's preparing us and teaching us and get, we're getting our repetitions in so we can be leaders in our lives, you know, of our own lives so we can be leaders at work, be leaders of of our families, all these things. So it's like, yes, it is uncomfortable. Yes, it does suck. And, you know, similar to a cold shower, no matter how much you've done it and have felt the benefits of it, it still sucks. You know, the anticipation (laughs) of, you know, the feeling of, of being exposed or uncomfortable or pointed out and the benefits are are incredible. Mm, yeah, man, hundred percent. I agree with that, and uh, that's a, that's a really good segue into what I want to talk about next. You know, you're talking about ceremonies and this common thread of of discomfort. Not not, not the purpose of suffering, but the purpose of experiencing and embracing discomfort because it's part of life. It's there's no avoiding that. One of the men that I respect most in this in this world, John Somerville, he always says and reminds me that pain is inevitable, suffering is a choice. And I heard you say the word suffering. That's the, that's the part where we can bring the drama into it. So for something like uh, an initiation, a journey of initiation, there's, there's oftentimes an ordeal, an elective discomfort that is brought upon, especially in a ceremony like a vision quest. And with both of you guys are both compass guides and you guys have been leading that space for longer than I have. So I wanted to just get your, your insights on Initiation. Why, why does initiation matter for men? Yeah, why does it matter for men? I can only answer from my perspective, my experience, and kind of going back to you know the definition of a man. It's it's going to matter differently for men wherever they are, and so much of that has to do with the culture you're brought up in. You know what you're having to do to be a successful contributor to the community you're around and to yourself and to take care of yourself. But I think the power of I think it's in the word itself to initiate. You know, and I think about that word a lot 
And I'm also just on this query of looking to see if there's any kind of conspicuous differences between the word initiation and rite of passage. But whenever I was hearing that word around men's work, I would always think about initiating a sequence. You know, initiate the sequence to destroy the world, all these kind of sci-fi. But there's this idea that uh, there's a procedure. The initiation requires a procedure. And if the procedure isn't, isn't done in the correct sequence, the initiation doesn't happen. And so for me, the piece in there that I think is powerful is that, you know, I just remember, you guys probably remember this too, but as a kid, like, you know, you don't know what's up. You think you do, you know, and you're running around there with your cocky attitude and like, you know, capable body and confidence and enthusiasm to just tackle the world and then you get out there and just start you know hitting getting the blows Mm -hmm. so for me the initiation is is you have to have other adults you know particularly men for males to come alongside and and say there's there's a sequence to how to get through this and let us help you get the sequence in order so that you can do the you know correct steps to then come out the other side and and perform correctly according to the what the sequence, you know, sets you up for. And if that doesn't happen, then it's sort of like having a wheel that's out of balance on your car. It's, you know, you may not notice it at low speeds, but if you're trying to really go somewhere and pick up speed or have a heavy load, it's, you're going to notice it. And it's going to start to, you know, wear on other things. And, and mm-hmm. then the whole system gets weak. So I think that's the value is, is like to consider myself a man and to have something that I want to put into the world and to want to show up for the people I want to show up or to ask for things from people. I need to, I need to hit a certain level of performance that's going to be in, in continuity and in sequence with the system that I'm trying to plug myself into. So if I haven't been properly prepared to that, if I've got a bad bearing or I'm, you know, I haven't been balanced well and I'm trying to plug into that system, it's just ultimately not going to be a healthy contribution over time. So I, I'd say that's mm-hmm. one way to look at it. Hmm. Uh, let me, before we kick it over to Phil, let me ask you this. Do you, do you think that if a man doesn't undergo an initiation that's deliberate or intentional, like a rite of passage, like, like compass, like a vision quest, do you think that the world will ultimately initiate that man anyway, just by the circumstances that will unfold for him? Yeah, I, I don't know if the word it would be initiation. I think the world will traumatize them. You know, mm-hmm. a rite of passage is an induced trauma. That's mm-hmm. essentially what it is. There has to be a world breakdown so that the, the community of, and the elders can rebuild that worldview from a new space that can be inhabited. So if you, if you don't, if, if someone doesn't go through that and, and understand that's going to come and that's going to happen and they're going to be, they're going to come through it, then yeah, the world will do it, but it's, it's not going to be in a conscious way. And it's, and the product of that may or may not have a good outcome for right. whoever, whoever's then in the sphere of, of influence around that person. Yeah, man, I think that's a really, really great perspective, really valuable uh, insight there. What about you, Phil? What, what are your thoughts on the matter? Yeah, going on with that last part, I think no matter what, the world is going to give, present an ordeal. It's going to present some stress, some trauma, some sort of situation that you either got to die or get to the other side, you know? So for the mm-hmm. most part, it's, we'll make it to the other side. A lot of people make it to the other side. And then it's just, it's, you're a changed person. You'll never be the same that you were before the ordeal. But it's like, is that person, person's way of being based off fear due to that trauma? Is it, you know, I guess the overall goal as I see it is to be able to show up in this world as your highest, most woke ass self, you know, being, being your best self that's uninhibited and like release kind of all traumas from the past. So, you know, without a organized initiation, I think we end up very often, we end up being a person that's protective of 
something that happened in our past, you know, or dragging our past along with us. I think when you go through something such as a rites of passage, especially for men, what you have is this opportunity of other initiated men who are bringing you along. And as Sean said, kind of showing you the ropes, Mm. maybe pointing out some of those things from your past that you're carrying along. Some of those things that might not be serving you, some of your Achilles heels. So going through that sort of initiation, you have other men who you respect and trust and, you know, ideally look up to that are helping to usher you into across that threshold and coming out on the other side as a man who's set up to be his best self, right? I think that's a beauty. And, you know, the other thing that I think of when I think of being initiated is you have men, again, who you respect and love and trust that are now telling you you've become a man, right? As opposed to like, if you don't have that, then what are you looking to, to tell you you've become a man? Could be yourself, which then, you know, you have your own bullshit that can easily get in the way and your own stories. A lot of men look to their partners, right? Which that sets up a whole, you know, if you're looking to your wife to tell you if you're being a man or not, that's like, that brings up a whole other, you know, pressures and a lot of, it can lead to a lot of problems, you know, or you're looking to like our capitalist culture to tell you if you're a man or not, which I think is kind of where we're at in society right now. So that also brings a lot of problems. So I think that's the beauty of, of organized initiation as well. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think of the journeyman. And being unencumbered, when, when, if, if I were preparing for a, a big journey, I think about just the context of a village. If I were a boy roaming around my village, then it, it wouldn't be such a big deal for me to over overstuff my pack, right? Because if I'm just walking around the same, you know, 500 meter radius in my village and in my territory, then being over encumbered isn't really such a big deal. If I were to trip and stumble or fall, there would still be a village to come back to and other adults to help me mend my wounds. But for a journeyman who's preparing to venture outside of the village, for someone who's prepared to to step out into the unknown, beyond the fringes of comfort and the known world, that man wants to be as unencumbered as he can be. Because there's going to be no doubt things that will come up that he can't even anticipate. So if I'm if I'm venturing off onto some unknown journey, not knowing how far or where it will take me, which I think is just a metaphor for life, <laughs> as soon as as soon as we embrace adulthood, that's that's really what it is. Then I, I want to make sure that I've got as the least amount of weight, the least amount of encumbrance as possible. Now, there's no way to you would you, you can't walk out into the into the wilderness with a completely unloaded pack. You know, we've all got our traumas, we've all got our experiences, but going back to what both you guys said, you know, releasing those traumas, handling those traumas, dealing with them, facing off with those demons instead of letting them tag along is is a good a, I think a good representation of that mark of initiation. It's like, okay, up to this point, I'm I'm willing to face off with everything that has impacted me, that's affected me in my life that I can recognize, that I can uncover now. And release it and let go of it and pack my pack for this journey just with what I need for the next stretch of road in front of me, knowing that I will encounter other encumbrances along the way. And on the other side of that initiation, also packing some tools in your pack, bringing your knife with you, bringing some of your survival tools that will help you with whatever you might encounter along the way. And so I, I look at what we're doing here with within Rising Man and, and really creating a culture where men have a shared experience. Men on the other side of that initiatory experience, on the other side of what we call that threshold, can welcome and, and invite a man into that space, knowing that he's got a 
walk the steps himself. But really our role, the three of us, is to usher men to that threshold and to see them across it and then to receive them back on the other side. So there's this this word that a lot of guys who aren't familiar with rites of passage may not have heard it, but incorporation is is the third stage of rite of passage. And the reason that you guys are stepping forward and helping lead in a bigger way is because incorporation is such a big journey. And it requires, you know, for for the rising man mission of hundreds and thousands of men across the world being initiated into manhood and stepping into their full purpose, it requires a lot more men on the other side of that threshold ready to receive the guys who are going to be coming across. So incorporation being that journey of stepping back into the community, returning back to the people after the ordeal, after the adventure, and in giving of one's gift. That's we we usually say that's that's when the the real rite of passage begins. That's the hard part. So I, I wanted to have each of you guys speak a little bit to just that that journey of incorporation, maybe even personally what it's been like for you so far, knowing that it's a lifelong thing. And then where Rising Man fits into that and when where what we're creating with the fire circles with compass and this this whole spectrum of initiation that we've created how that all plays into it you want to jump in phil i'll go for it silver fox <laughs> um, yeah and corb i guess i'll start off just speaking my personal experience with it um it's been about four years i think since i went on my vision quest and it's been a roller coaster ride man it's been Every everything in the human experience of emotion, I've had them all, you know. And I think the, I guess the biggest thing when I think about my incorporation has been like I went on my fast. I while I was in that like in between world fasting, I got a lot of clarity on who I wanted to be or who I was and the gift that I wanted to give to the world or, you know, my medicine. And just be, it was like coming back to corporation was like, whoa, I have so much clarity on that. That's awesome. And it's not like I just got the playbook on how to, how to do it from beginning to end either. So that's kind of what incorporation has been. It's like, okay, now I have this idea of like the vision or like where I'm heading, but I kind of have to use all the skills that I have as well as acquire more skills to like figure out my way through kind of the wilderness to get to that destination. And the biggest thing with that is just getting support from from other people that have been through a similar experience because it's so important because it's so easy to just fall back into old patterns that are just kind of really deeply dug ruts. So it's just easy to go back to kind of an old way of being prior to being initiated. And that support that I have from other brothers, you know, when I'm telling them kind of what I've been up to is everything, man, that that's like what that accountability is, or them doing their work is inspiration to continue like, hey, it's worth it. It's worth the struggle or it's worth the discomfort to to be that person that I know I'm meant to be. Hmm. Yeah, man. And those reminders never get old. I mean, I, I know I still need them. <laughs> I still, I still face off with myself. Those moments of like, man, is it really worth, is it really worth all of this? Is it really worth all of this discomfort and continuing to step in and step in deeper, lean in harder and, and just to look around and, and see other guys that are just like, yeah, man, it is. <laughs> what else would we be doing? If not this, then what else would I be doing? Yeah. So yeah, Sean, what about for you, man? You know, incorporation literally means in the body. And that's always been sort of my first kind of leaning into what does incorporation really mean? 
because we can talk about this. We can do podcasts all day, man. And in some ways, this is a corporation. But if the things I'm saying about what I believe and what is the right way for me to live is just the words, and I don't then get off this conversation and go about doing it, then it's not incorporation. It's still just idealism. And, mm. and I think that's the most powerful piece. Yeah, I've been really liking the word alchemy lately. But the, the magic, the, the formulation, the how do you take the pure inspiration and the pure download of, of spirit and vision that you receive on the threshold time and convert it into roots on the ground, physically moving matter around in the world to demonstrate the gift of a beautiful life that you have seen. And that takes a lot of effort, takes a lot of energy, takes a lot of focus. For me, it's kind of the binary piece of like prior to the ceremony of initiation, all things were possible. All things are possible. I can do whatever I wanted. Like, world's my basket of eggs or whatever that, that, uh, world's my oyster. I guess that's the one. I'm just hungry. I want some eggs. But, uh, (laughs) and you get that big vision. Then coming down from that big vision, then it's like, well, okay, either the, every little action I'm taking through my day contributes to that vision being real or it doesn't. And there becomes this you know, huge unfolding process of, for me, has been just saying no, saying no to things and realizing how it becomes excruciating sometimes when I realize how much of the life I'm still trying to shed and shake off that take up my time that are not contributing directly to the vision and the inspiration I have of living into the gift that I want to give. And that's not going to be the same for everybody. You know, I've been really impressed with you, Jetty, even just to see where you've gone just in the the few years since having gone through that kind of conscious initiation for yourself and looking what you've built with the rising man. And it's it's incredible. And all of us have our different ways that we're going to have to move through the world and take on that practice and build our kingdoms. But also the successes and the failures that go along with that process. For me, it's just the, the question of, am I consciously doing it? Am I taking it on? And to me, that's a big part of, of being a man for me is, yes, I need the support. Yes, I need to sit in the circles. Yes, I need to be doing the work, you know, in the workshops and getting refreshed and everything I'm doing. But for me personally, when no one else is around, when I'm sitting in my place, knowing what I should be doing, do I get up and do it or, I, or don't die? And to me, mm-hmm. that's one of the most clear indications of, of when I'm in my manhood and when I'm not. So yeah, I guess just to wrap up that little piece, just because you've initiated yourself into a man doesn't mean that you get to, you know, you're not, doesn't mean you're always in that. That's a dynamic Mm. thing. That's like a a suit you have to put on in the morning and I don't always put it on. And to me, that's the biggest piece is like, will I jump in the cold shower? Will I put on the suit? Will I get off the couch and do the thing I'm thinking about I should be doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate the transparency there, man. I think if we're all being honest, we all have those days where it's like, ah, man, I don't want to put on the suit today. I don't want to take the cold shower. And sometimes I choose not to take the cold shower that day. And talk about talk about the pain on the mm-hmm. on, at the end of the day, of a day where I didn't take that cold shower. It's like God damn! I just twenty four hours, twenty four more hours went by, and I wasn't fully incorporating the gift that I received. And not in a not in a sh- obviously you know to to shame myself or to feel guilty about it for any stretch of time doesn't serve. And I've done, I've tried that out before. Uh, <laughs> but but getting getting back in into on on the wagon and really fully being engaged with this process of incorporation. I think if we if we go full circle all the way back to what does it mean to be a man in the modern world? For me, it means to be fully engaged with my process of incorporation, to be fully tackling that journey for myself every single day, whatever the obstacle is that, that arises. Some, some days and some seasons of my life, that obstacle has been 
a huge mountain. It's like, I got to climb this mountain over the next six months to a year. I'm going up and I'm going to be busting my ass every day. And sometimes part of my journey of incorporation has been to actually just slow down, to take a break, take a moment at a turnoff and, and to just soak up and take in the view. There's definitely an action component to, to being a man that's, that's been so critical for me. And I think it's critical for a lot of guys. And especially, especially for those of us who have a hard time getting started or, or have those days where we don't want to take the cold shower or get off the couch. But at least personally for me, I've also had to learn that part of being a man is, is appreciating and, be, and, and, and being in, in enjoyment. I think you, you, you mentioned the word joy early on in this conversation, Sean, and that one, it's always a trigger for me. Because I actually find a lot more comfort in the doing. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a place that I can easily escape into. So to be able to balance that and to be lighthearted in my journey in being a man, in living fully engaged with incorporation, it's, it's also a part of it. It's also a part of it for me. So, so let's, let's actually bring that question to the table. What's, what's been the most challenging part of incorporation for you guys thus far? If you can simplify it mm-hmm. to, 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 to one component of that journey, obviously it's all-encompassing. But is there is there one part of it that's been particularly challenging for you and and then why? I'll jump in. You know, I think I think the hardest part, I guess it's like the grounding of what my gift is. You know, I, I really got this this clarity of like, you know, my gift is being of service and also really being a being a stand and being a help for these like medicines of like these different ceremonies, you know, especially vision quest and fasting in general, so that, you know, can lead other men and people to their truth. And so it's like, I get, I guess, again, it's just like that clarity all parallel with like, how the fuck am I going to feed my family? You know, Mm. it's just like how it's just like kind of grounding this thing that is slightly ethereal, but it is practical, but also bringing that practicality into the, you know, keeping food on the table and, you know, kind of keeping the, the shit moving forward, you know, all my other responsibilities in life. So I think that that's really been the toughest thing is just continuing to be in the process of like figuring out how it all fits together in this big picture. Mm. Oh man, <laughs> can I totally relate to that? That's, that's a whole nother episode you and I are going to have to do, man, is how to, how to live your purpose and feed your family at the same time. That's like the modern man's Fuck. toil right now. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe even for the full spectrum of time, you know, men trying to figure out how to take care of their families and mm. still do what their heart's calling of them. Mm. But for, that's for another time and place. What, what about you, Sean, your biggest challenge with incorporation and, and why it's been that for you? Yeah. Wow, man. There's so much in there for me. You said something earlier, Jetty, about, about allowing yourself to take a step back from the work sometimes and to just be in the appreciation and the enjoyment of being alive, more or less. It's kind of what you were saying. And I know that that's a big one for me. And because I'm actually pretty good at doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to have a little bit of an artist, you know, mentality where if I'm not inspired, I'm, I'm, I'm usually not going to you know, go through the effort to do it. And so inspiration plays a huge part in my action in the world. And I tend to be a big reflector. I tend to be a big ruminator. I like my solitude. And so for me, a big part of incorporation is, is being okay with the outcomes of, of needing to take those, that kind of time for myself. You know, I've been in positions where I was working really hard at you know, work, work and making good money. And that was felt really good in some ways, but it was costing me in a lot of other ways that I needed personally to to feel joy, to feel content and to feel like I'm living life. And it was in direct contradiction with 
the time I was spending to make that kind of money. And so a huge part of, you know, a big challenge for me is, you know, can I reconcile how I'm spending my time in the face of what I see the rest of the world doing? And I got to tell you, you know, if, you, if anyone's living near a larger metropolis, that message is super hardcore strong. Work hard, play hard, you know? And really, I'd say in the last five, six years, getting to a place where I'm like, fuck that. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm not going to do, I would say, work inspired, play inspired. <laughs> It'd be a better, better mm. way for me to say it. And I don't have a family. So uh, again, everyone's going to be on their different journey with this. And this is the power of having the support around a corporation because, you know, I, I still need good questioning around that to check out, to see if that stuff proves out. Mm. Sometimes I feel downright lazy, you know? Other times it feels downright painful to go do the thing that I just feel like, why am I doing this? Why did I say yes to this thing? And, and examining all the places where I was weak and making commitments that I maybe should be making. So yeah, for me, the big part of it is in my incorporation of my gifts and the outcomes of that, you know, the results of that incorporation, am I able to reconcile them and be content and to feel the success and enjoy in however that is showing up? So it's, it's like doing the work and then stepping back and, and, and can I admire my work? Mm. And, and what that requires is to also to be able to step back from it. Yeah. Oof. I, I doubled down on what both of you guys said, especially, man, trying to figure out how to take care of my family and start something completely new. And it's definitely been a journey. It's definitely been a journey to remind myself, why do I do this? <laughs> why, why am I doing this? Because I, I don't know if this is a modern man's issue or if this is just one of the toils of men over time, is this uh, the sense of achievement of wanting to win the game. Well, I'm not going to chase down that woolly mammoth if I can't kill it and eat it. You know, as I think a part of it goes all the way back to being able to manage our resources, mm-hmm. our, our my vital life force. Why would I put my vital life force behind this if there's not going to be some return on the other side of it for me. And so a bit of what you said, Sean, just, you know, reminding myself of uh, connecting back to that vision. That's why I think that the the process of a vision quest is so powerful because I could still close my eyes and go all the way back to, to my spot, to my power circle where I sat for four days and four nights praying, asking for clarity and always tap into that space, that experience that I had around my vision and who I am and what I'm what I'm doing in the world. And so to be able to just be with that and and to to bring that forward every day in my life and again to experience it with with joy with a sense of appreciation. Uh, I'd say for me the biggest challenge in incorporation has been to go back and forth between these different archetypes between these different uh, between the warrior mentality of focusing up and 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 letting all the other distractions go by the wayside so that I can channel my energy into this one thing that's in front of me, but then also being able to step back and be more of the, the king who's reigning over my, my kingdom and my territory, seeing everything from that 30,000 foot perspective or the lover who's more in his joy, who's more in his appreciation. And then obviously the mystic or the magician who's just connected to that abstract, the ethereal, the, the spiritual experience of life. And, and just being able to, to dance, it's almost like a superhero, the, the old school superheroes before they started wearing, having all these like fancy gizmos and gadgets when they used to have a utility belt and they actually looked more like a plumber or a construction <laughs> worker than some sort of sexy synchronized swimmer in their, you know, unitard. It's, it's like you have to have these different moves, these different 
games to to try on and, and depending on the on the circumstances mm. and so mm. so yeah it's it's definitely a journey uh, they say we often call it the wilderness of incorporation because it's like that it's like stepping into the unknown off the trail off the beaten path and to bring it full circle and to start wrapping things up here that's where the rising man is headed that's why you men have been have been brought into the fold and have, have stepped up and stepped forward. Between the three of us here, we've got, I think I was, I was calculating before, we've got over 30 years of experience in in rites of passage here just on this interview. You know, the Silver Fox, you account for more than half of that, but we'll, <laughs> <laughs> that's just details. But yeah, you know, like, like having having men who know what, what it's what it's all about and, and creating a greater and greater legion of of men who have that experience and can carry that that medicine forward to create a generation, to create a cultural, a generational culture of initiation and incorporation for men is really what we're what we're about here. So so parting words, putting the finishing touches on this dialogue that we've had, what would you men want to share, want to say to the guys out there who are contemplating initiation, who are wanting to step forward on their path uh, as a man to maybe they're already in the process of incorporation. What what would you like to say or share with those guys out there who are listening? I can jump in on that. Well, who to someone out there who's considering something like this, all I can say is you, know, you look at people like Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk or Steve Jobs or Hitler or anyone who's made, you know, huge impact on the world, you know, like Martin Luther King or Jeff Gandhi, Mother Teresa, the power an individual can have over the world is, is evidence. And it's interesting to, to look at some of these individuals that is, to me, it's pretty clear to see which ones had some kind of initiation or some kind of vital passage in which ones did it just by the way that they're running their companies and the values they're espousing. And, and not to judge as right, wrong, good or bad, but more as to the, the quality, the quality of, of what they're doing. And, and is it in line with what people need and a vision of the future? And also is it in line with how we live, how we need to be living on this planet? So for, for me, because this particular rite of passage, this ceremony, the vision quest is rooted in nature and for that threshold time, it's just you and nature. I feel like it's the, it's the most potent part of a way to, to become aligned with, you know, not to get too woo-woo, but I think it's real stuff. Like planetary alignment, you know, cosmic align, alignment with your vision is going to come directly from a source that is irrefutably harmonically aligned with the way the universe works. And it's not coming from a teaching or a guru or someone who's going to have some kind of interpretation of that energy. And I think that's one of the biggest confidences I take away from this kind of rite of passage is that when I'm at my most shakiest, all I have to do is go out and be on the land. You know, um, the land's not going to lie to me. This planet's not going to lie to me. I don't even lie to you in a strong word. It's not that people will lie to me. It's that everyone's living their life through a lens, but nature is what's on the other side of that lens. So getting direct contact and rethinking and feeling the harmony and the joy that just comes from being in nature is directly feeds my vision and helps keep it on track. And that's not to say it makes it easier. It actually makes it harder because it's really painful to see how people with lots of power are treating our planet and how that's trickling down to us and for me to make decisions I don't want to make. But because I have this initiation and because I have circles of men who are supporting and understand that because they've been through it and have, have done that time, it's easier to stomach. It's easier to deal with the pain and, and, the, and the sadness of how we're treating ourselves and our, our resources. So for me, that's, mm. that's the, you know, <laughs> and, 
maybe in a roundabout way, the inspiration of, of just the rock solidness. Of, I mean, this is an ancient tra- tradition. This has gone back thousands of years. People all over the world somehow figured out that this was a way to, to plug in and to be connected and to be aligned as a species living on this planet. So it's pretty bomb-proof. Mm. For those who are in the incorporation journey of it, yeah, stay connected to the planet. Stay connected to, the, to your brothers who have been through initiatory experiences that are nature-based, particularly, you know, as a rite of passage. It's the single most powerful thing you can do to further your own vision of life. Mm. It's powerful, man. I'm not even going to say anything about that. I just want, I'm going to kick it right over to Phil and see what kind of what kind of toppings you want to mm-hmm. drop on top of that. For sure. The last part that Sean put in there with just how many different cultures at different times and so many different places in the world have relied on solitude and nature as a rites of passage or an essential part of becoming a conscious adult. It's just like, I don't really believe in coincidences. So that's, that's one thing. It's just like, it, it's just showed up in so many places that there, there has to be some magic in it. You know, there has to be some goodness in it. You know, I think the other thing is that anyone that's interested in it or thinking about or considering it, for me, one big thing, which I think is really common in, in the circles that a lot of us are in, especially guys listening to this podcast, just like expansion of consciousness and, you know, through like whatever, ayahuasca ceremonies or, you know, LSD, mushrooms, kind of a lot of plant-based ceremonies that kind of help us see life differently. And I've definitely done my fair share of all those things and really, really grateful for a lot of the knowledge and a lot of lessons that came from that. And by far, the most powerful thing that I've ever done is being out in nature by myself for those four days. You know, there's just something really, really unique about just being by yourself with just like the reflection of nature to be your mirror. Who wrote that book, Soulcraft? What's his name? Plotkin? Uh, Bill Plotkin. Bill Plotkin. Bill Plotkin. He has this one, one line in there where he pretty much is talking about our soul and nature are twins. You know, mm. he kind of explains the soul as our inner wilderness and nature being like the outer wilderness and by being alone in nature, you know, you kind of get yourself gets reflected in, you know, the rocks, the dirt, the trees, all that, you know? So as esoteric as that may sound, it's, if you talk to anyone that's been out there, that, that is going to be some element of their experience, you know? So just the power and simplicity and beauty that's in being by yourself and being in nature is, there's not a person that I could think of that it wouldn't be good for and that it wouldn't mm. benefit. Yeah, I agree with that, man. Just a side note, when, when I have Bill Plotkin on the show at some point, I'm going to tell him you called him that dude. <laughs> uh, yo, this guy, Phil, he called you that dude. How you feel about that, Bill? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, kidding aside, just to, just to tie that together, this most recent time that we were out in Death Valley with this last group of Compass Questers, uh, I realized that that this, this ritual of Vision Quest, uh, the ceremony is the perfect marriage of masculine and feminine in, in, in its masculinity. It's so simple. You're going out there with the bare minimum, you're removing yourself of all distractions to focus, to, to clarify. And, and then there's the, the feminine element of it. That is this, the spiritual connecting to a higher power, connecting to that part of spirit and soul within ourselves. And, and then with, within all nature around us, I realized that there's just such a harmony there. Mm-hmm. And then when we, when we come all the way back to men's work, it's, it's usually focused on one or the other. 
especially because men's work is such a vast plane and territory right now. But to be able to to be able to dance in between masculine and feminine, and then to grant to use the best of those worlds in wherever we need it in our in our lives, to me, I think is is really that journey of incorporation. So yeah, I appreciated having this conversation with you guys. It obviously opened up such rich territory. We can go on forever talking about this. Mm-hmm. You know, for those of you guys who are listening out here, clearly, I hope you see because I. I, I connect with these guys on, on a regular basis, but uh, Sean and Phil are both incredible vessels of, of wisdom and experience. They're also just really heart-centered, hilarious guys to be around. <laughs> and so you'll be, you'll be seeing more of them, hearing more of their voices and, and hearing more of their words inside the Rising Man space because they're, they've chosen to step forward and to, to help you on the front lines of this movement. And so whether whether you're in the fire circles, you're going to start seeing Phil and Sean in, in, in leadership roles and helping facilitate and govern that space. And then also, if you if you decide to take the full plunge and step in on one of our on one of our compass crews, uh, the next one going out in spring 2020, these are the other two guides who who I bring out there with me. So you're you're in good hands, and these are wonderful men to get to know. Just to wrap it up here, I just want to thank you guys. Thank you guys for stepping up and stepping forward every every way in which you've supported the rising man, but also every way in which you've supported me being the man that I'm capable of being. Cause everything that you see in my life wouldn't be possible if I didn't have men like you guys. And especially you two guys in my, in my circle in in my corner rooting me on. And then also, you know, holding up the, the mirror as, as harsh as it may be sometimes. So thank you guys for being here and thank you guys for bringing your medicine to the space. I'm just excited we're going on a cruise, man. I didn't, I didn't know that. <laughs> I'm stoked. <laughs> Is that what I, that what I called it? <laughs> you said on the next Compass cruise, one of our Compass crews. I'm like, sweet. Oh. <laughs> That's something. We'll have to talk about that, work on that behind the scenes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, Jetty, thank you for all the work that you're doing. And same to you, Sean. It's really an honor to work with both of you guys. Yeah, Jetty, you know, you're paying the ass, but you're worth it. <laughs> you're worth supporting, man. You know, so, and that goes for you too, Sean. You're less of a pain in the ass than Jetty, but still. <laughs> and totally worth it, both of you guys. So I appreciate both of you. Yeah, man. Same all around. It's been an awesome ride to just get uh, pulled into the vortex and uh, to see the beauty of it. And just super excited and thrilled to, to have a place to bring my heart more to. And so I'm just, really grateful jetty and grateful to you phil and i'll do my best to be the biggest pain in the ass i can (laughs) (laughs) that's what incorporation is all about (laughs) be the biggest pain in the ass you can awesome fellas well thank you for taking taking the time to be here and and for all of the work that you guys are doing out in the world and and everything you're going to do moving forward for everyone out there if you guys want to get to know more about about these two guys you'll you'll see their heads and their and their voices and their words popping up inside the rising man space more but also make sure you guys go and and follow them on whether it's on social media or wherever they're doing their work why don't you guys just drop that real quick so they they can hear it uh sean tell us where we can find out some more about what you're doing and tell us about first nature and then phil you can pick up after him sure yeah gosh i don't even know my ig handles but uh it's it's first nature i think on uh, instagram or our first nature o-u-r that's facebook for sure and yeah i just you may have heard i just very in love with nature i try to stay close to nature i feel like nature is the the healing the healing balm that we all need more of and coming directly from our lineage and our ancestors and just as our species looking for a little inspiration or conversation around that um hit me up awesome phil 
Yeah, yeah, my IG handle is Rufio with a zero. Rufio, Rufio. And yeah, you can find me on the fire circles. I'm leading the team there. Definitely kind of all my posts on Instagram are are about this, about Compass, about, you know, what I was talking about earlier, my what I feel my gift is, which is being a stand for for the medicine of being in nature alone, because that's what I fully believe in. So come do Compass. Let's hang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Thank you, fellas, again, and we'll look forward to having a having another three way chat here in the near future. Um, but blessings to you guys, and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you, Jetty. Good to see you, boys. Later, guys. This was a special one for me, especially reflecting all the way back to when Rising Man sprouted from the soil in my brain to now to sharing this global mission this worldwide message of becoming the best men we can be and not being the only man carrying that flag carrying that banner with hundreds of men across the world now it's it it gives me chills i can't believe it i'm still speaking into the same microphone i was two years ago and yet so much has changed so much has grown so much has happened even as i'm recording this right now i know that there are men like yourself who are listening to this and are like wow this is this is the real deal because it is because we're all doing it together because we're all saying yes to the rising man we're all choosing a higher standard of masculinity and what it means to be a man in this world and that's going to make a change it's going to make a difference so if you want to take that big next bold step forward and you're not already camping out with us inside the fire circles every month then head over to patreon.com rising man sign up grab your seat inside the fire circle it's a completely virtual community network of men from all over the world and it's growing every single week so make sure you sign up and get your spot today also if you're interested in fasting with us in the spring for compass 2020 spring april 10th to 18th then hit me up for information grab your seat we've been putting up the link for the application in the show notes so make sure you check it out you can always get other links and resources from the episode that we talked about in the show notes at the risingmanpodcast.com you can subscribe and follow us wherever you're listening to the rising man podcast whether it's spotify stitcher itunes google play Podbean, any of these other outlets do you guys listen to the rising man wherever you listen hit that heart hit that like hit that follow hit that subscribe because you'll get the newest episode every single week when it drops and you'll also help rising man jump up in the ratings so please do that also leave those comments those reviews five stars if you believe we deserve it everyone you guys who's been doing that especially you itunes podcast listeners please keep hitting us with those five stars and those lovely reviews because it's really been going a long way towards getting us out there last but not least check us out on the instagram at rising man movement my man rowan tyne has been doing such a great job with that the whole team my rising man power team i want to acknowledge you guys again by name sean offenbach who's been there from the start audio engineering wizarding the podcast rowan tyne i already mentioned him doing so many different things behind the scenes but especially with our video photo social media adventures julian subic who's the one responsible for publishing this episode putting show notes together for you guys making sure that you get the episodes every single week and last but not least mark rose our head fire chief inside the fire circle who doesn't get enough play up front but my man is doing hard work behind the scenes and and i appreciate every single one of you guys for what you do i say it a lot i make sure i do this at the end of every episode so that everyone who listens knows that this is not something that one man does we do this together so until next time rise up and claim your destiny